Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. The title of this series is Regaining Your Edge. Regaining Your Edge. Tell your neighbor, you will regain your edge. Tell the other neighbor, you will regain your edge. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. We are going to read verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, verse number 10. The Bible says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Now there is a choice in life. That we have been given. A choice either to live our lives in Christ or to live our lives without Christ. God does not force Christianity on us. God does not force the new birth experience on us. God does not force salvation on us. But God recommends that the life that he created us to live is better lived in Christ. Better fulfilled in Christ, whatever purpose and whatever calling, whatever destiny that God has for us, which is the reason for our existence, which is the reason for us to be born and come here on earth, it is better achieved and better lived in Christ. Now, um, life without Christ is not life as it should be. Life away from God wanted us not to experience the fullness of life. Any life lived outside of God cannot experience the fullness of life the way God wanted it to be experienced by the human race. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now we are all living our eternity. Right now, many people think that They are living their lives and they will see the Christianity life maybe in their other life to come. Others think that they are just going to live their lives and nothing is going to happen after they pass on. They think that uh, they are living their lives and they are not going to be accountable for how they lived their lives outside, um, outside of God in their life to come. But I always say that this is eternal life. Everyone is living their eternal life right now, but it will depend on the decisions that you make while you are still here on earth. How are you going to continue after life, after death with your eternal life? But it is eternal life. Somebody say amen. And living in God for us as Christians, that is our eternal life. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter number 17, verse number 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Also in the book of 1 John, chapter number 5, 
verse number 11 to verse number 13, the Bible says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. So if they are outside of the son of God, the way Impilo should be. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. So now, Bazalwane, believe you me, you don't want to live your life outside of Christ. A life outside of Christ is not a good life for any of us. A life outside of Christ, especially if you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you have tasted to live a life in Christ, or if you are actually supposed to be living a life in Christ, but you, we are the, we are the, we are if you are a Christian and you are not fully in living your life in Christ, who's putisela, a life that is fulfilling, a life that is from God himself, the source of life, the very reason of life, you will not be able to know how to live life outside of the one who gives life. So it is important that as believers, we leverage on this fact that we have the advantage of having life in the one who gives life. Somebody say amen. So there is life without Christ and then there is life with Christ. But life without Christ is number one dull. It lacks interest. It lacks excitement. It lacks the edge. People feel bored with their lives because there is no edge. People feel bored with their lives because they are living their lives outside of Christ. People feel as though they have lost enthusiasm in life. Why? Because they live their lives outside of Christ. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 11, the Bible says, not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So where do you get the fervency in your spirit? By serving the Lord. It is only a life in Christ that is going to cause you to have an interesting life, to have a life that is full of excitement. You are excited about your life. Why are you excited about your life? It's not because maybe your life is yielding the results that you wanted to yield um, right now, but it is because you know that the one that you live in has got the capacity to make something good out of your life. Somebody say amen. So you don't live a life that is dull, uh, but only if you are living your life outside of Christ, then your life will lack interest, will lack excitement, you will feel bored with your life, you will not have enthusiasm in your life, there will be no fervency in your spirit, there will be no drive in your spirit because you live your life outside of Christ. Number two, it is hard. Life outside of Christ is hard. Life outside of Christ is hard. 
just by reason of you waking up in the morning, there's quite a lot that needs to be done. There's quite a lot that you, is going on in your mind. And then all of those things are hard because life is hard. And especially if it is outside of Christ, life is hard. Why is life so hard? It is because we are tilling a ground that is cursed. Life becomes hard because everything that you have to do, you must do with your own strength. If you are outside of Christ, you are required to produce your own strength to till the ground. You are supposed to, uh, to produce your own strength to keep yourself sane. You are supposed to produce your own strength to make wealth. You are supposed to produce your own strength to keep yourself intact. You are supposed to produce your own strength so that things don't take you out of this life because life as it is in general is hard. What did make life hard? Life was made hard because of sin in the Garden of Eden. We will all remember that when they sinned, when the first man sinned in the Garden of Eden, then God said, cast is the ground. That is in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, verse number 17. He said, cast is the ground, and you will have to sweat to work on the ground. For you to produce anything in life, you will have to work hard. You will have to sweat for it. For you to have a good marriage, you will have to sweat for it. For you to be able to raise your children well, you will have to sweat for it. For you to be able to have a thriving career, you will have to sweat for it. A thriving business, you will have to sweat for it. Why? Because the element of grace was taken away by reason of sin in the Garden of Eden. So life then becomes hard and everyone knows that life is hard but it is only those who are in Christ who have an advantage in this hard life outside of Christ life is, is, is has got distractions and it can lead to death life leads to destruction and death if it is lived outside of Christ. Why does it lead to destruction and death? Because it has no guidance. A life outside of Christ has got no guidance. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 14, verse number 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So if you live your life making your own decisions, in whichever way you want to make them, that is going to cause you to find yourself in destruction and eventually even die. Others don't even die physically, but they die spiritually. They die in their souls. Why? Because of the decisions that they have made. Many people are walking even though they are, they are death, they are dead in their souls by reason of decisions that they have made in their lives. Why? Because they live their lives outside of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And God does not want us to live like that. God wants us to live a life of abundance. I said in Pinoni when I was preaching this morning that the nice thing about a life in Christ is that you have the guidance because there is the difference between leading and guiding. Everyone knows that they need 
some supernatural intervention because of the hardness of life. Everyone, but unfortunately, as much as they can be given a leadership in terms of what they need to do, but there is no guidance. It is only in Christ where we find the spirit of the living God who leads us and also guides us. He does not only lead us, but he also guides us. Why am I saying there's a difference between leading and guiding? It is because when, I am, when, when, when you are being led, you are told that this is where you are supposed to go. But when you are guided, you are told what is it that you are going to come across? What is it that you are supposed to avoid? What is is it that you are supposed to make sure who you are a daughter? When I am guiding you, I'm going to say for you to be able to reach your destiny, to get to the back there at the sound booth, you must make sure that you, you, you are focused because there is a step that you must take and you must make sure it's either you maneuver around it or you step on it or you jump over it. That is guidance. So that you are not surprised. On your way to destiny. It is only by the spirit of God that we get guidance. But now God wanted us. He does not want us to live a life of destruction. He does not want us to live a life of death. He does not want us to live a life that is dull. But he wants us to live a life that is to the fullest. He's, he sent Christ and gave us the plan of redemption so that he can come and give us life in abundance. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of John chapter number 10, verse number 10. It says, the thief does not come. I love that part. He does not come. In other words, the devil is one person who does not waste his time. He sits wherever he is until there is something to steal. Until there is something to kill. Until there is something to destroy. He does not bother. So each time he tries to come for you to steal something from you, you must know that there is something that you have worth stealing. Because he does not waste his time. It says he does not come. He does not. We can learn a thing or two from him. Never waste your time. For things that are not going to benefit you in any form and in any way. He does not come. It says he does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Listen to it in the NLT. It says, the thief's purpose, you're not the only one who has the purpose on, in life. Also, the devil has the purpose. And his purpose is always to get you to never reach your purpose. So it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. In the TPT, it says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He is a man of one thing. He is a man who is focused. A man of one thing. He says, he only has only one thing in his mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. 
but I have come to give you everything in abundance. So in other words, the peace that he wants to steal from you, there is Jesus who wants to give you in abundance. So in other words, it's like Jesus is saying, you are trying to steal your peace in your face, devil. You are trying to steal his joy in your face, devil. When I give it, I give it in abundance. Somebody say amen. amen. Says, but I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. So now, that is the life that God wants us to live. A life of abundance. That is the life that God had in mind when he created us. That is why when that life was threatened to be taken away from us in the Garden of Eden, God quickly made a plan and said, let me put together a plan for them to come back to this kind of life, a life in abundance. So a life in Christ is a life that is righteous, a life that is blessed, a life that is rich, a life that is wholesome. That is the life that God created us for. God did not create us to be ordinary people, to live an ordinary life. God created us to be extraordinary people and live extraordinary lives. We cannot be like any other man because we have been created by God. He says in Christ Jesus, that's where we live, that's where we move, that's where we have our being. So it is important for each and every one of us to contend to be in Christ at all times so that we can live a righteous life, a blessed life, a rich life, and a wholesome life. Somebody say amen. amen. We dwelt much on this uh, with all the series that we had during the year. So if you have never heard of this uh, 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 way of living, living a righteous life, a blessed life, a rich life, and a wholesome life, I would encourage you to go on YouTube and download the whole series and, uh, and listen and you will see and understand the life that God has in store for you. So when we come to Christ, we are changed by God. We are given a new nature so that we can live our lives the kind of life that God wants us to live. So that we can live the way God wanted us to live the life that he created us to live. He created us to live a life that is righteous, as I said, that is blessed, that is rich, and that is wholesome. In other words, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's only in Christ that our lives can be intact. It's only in Christ that our lives does not have to be hard. It's only in Christ that our lives does not have to be meaningless. It's only in Christ. And outside of Christ, our lives are going to be hard, dull, and meaningless. So it is important that if we want an antidote for a life that is dull and boring, come to Christ. Make your way to become a new creature in Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Body, mind, and spirit, he is able to make us whole. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Now that is our edge. That's when the devil thought uh, he was done with us. 
in the Garden of Eden, driving a wedge between men and God, between men and God so that man can live a life that is full of abundance. He thought he had won. Little did he know that God had another plan for us because God is very serious about us living the life that he wants us to live. And that life by reason of redemption is only found in Christ Jesus Somebody say amen. So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you have done before. There is a sea of forgetfulness, which is a place I love so much. I love it so much. God has got that place. It's called the sea of forgetfulness in such a way that when you come back and you feel guilty about what you have done in your life in the past, in the life where you had not been given, where you had not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you feel guilty and the enemy is throwing things at you saying the reason why you can't have this or you can't do this it is because of the things that you have done in your past life. Lo and behold, God here has made provision for us. He says we are new creatures. In other words he says he takes everything that we have done that is wrong, that may trap us so that we don't reach our destinies so that we don't fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. The Bible says he take all of those things and and throw them in the sea of forgetfulness when the enemy comes and you are feeling guilty about things that you have done then you come to God and you talk about something that you have done that you have wronged God about when you were still in sin and God will then be like what are you talking about you are the only one who remembers I don't remember what you are talking about because God is a God who remembers but he chooses to forget when it comes to our our mistakes, when it comes to our sins, when it comes to the things that we have done in our lives in the past. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, he raises up the standard and say, I have chosen as God to forget those things that are behind. There is a purpose that I have for this individual and you are not, you are not, you are not, you are not. You are not going to cause them to even think that they are not worthy of my love. See your forgetfulness. Man, figures you learning is going in most in Bunkul. Bunkul, see, eat plimpash. Is kulula gogning? The Bible says he keeps no record of wrong, but the enemy specializes in making us feel the guilt because he keeps the record of wrong. But if we don't know who we are in Christ. And if we don't know what has happened to us in as far as the redemption process is concerned, then he can take us out. But you came to church this morning and the devil is a liar. It does not matter what he is whispering in your ear to make you feel guilty. There is something called the sea of forgetfulness. God does not remember your sins. God does not remember your wrongs. God does not remember the things that you have done. God sees you through the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. God has forgotten about what you have done. That's our edge. That's our edge. Salvation is our edge. The newness of life in Christ is our edge. But what is the edge? The edge defined is an advantage that makes a person stronger or more likely to succeed than others. An advantage 
that makes a person stronger. So in other words, an edge is an advantage. And we have that advantage. As the children of God, in fact, we have an unfair advantage because we are here in the flesh just like everybody else. But we have access to the heavenlies. We are able to manipulate things in the spirit and cause them to work to our favor. That is the advantage that we have. That is the unfair advantage that we have. That even though we are all wrapped up in this flesh that is limited, but there is a God and there is a heaven that is unlimited that we can access anytime, anywhere, any place. Even when we are in trouble together with someone else who does not have this advantage. My advantage is that I am able to open the heavens over me and call forth the angels to come to my rescue. That is my advantage as a child of God. We have an advantage and that is our edge. We have dealings in the spiritual realm that can manipulate the outcomes of whatever it is we are doing. Whatever it is that we are doing. The blood of Jesus Christ is our advantage. The anointing that comes by the spirit of God is our, uh, is our advantage. That is why I am going to encourage you this morning to never go into business. You are going into business with people who are men like you, wrapped up in flesh like you, but you have an, you have an advantage called the anointing. I want you to use that edge every day. You go to your meetings every day. You go to your workplace every day. You are called for whatever meeting. Use this advantage called the anointing of the Spirit of God. It's a supernatural endowment it comes upon you and there is a thing from heaven that can come from heaven and sit on a man and the man is distinguished it's called the anointing that's your advantage the blood of Jesus is our advantage the cross of Calvary is our advantage the grace of God is our advantage. Mercy is our advantage. That we are able to say, yes, I'm not worthy, but you are a God who is full of mercy. Have mercy on me. One day, there is a woman who, who cried out, mercy. And Jesus had that woman. Somebody say, amen. Favor is your advantage. The supernatural power of God is your advantage. You are a person that has been advantaged by God. You are a dangerous person. You are not like any other person. You're not like your colleagues. You're not like your business partners. As long as you are in Christ Jesus, you have this edge. You have this advantage that you are able to cause the heavens to back you up like never before. Second Timothy chapter number one, verse number 19 says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So everything that you need for you to win in life is found in Christ Jesus. That's where your advantage is. Find yourself in Christ Jesus. Locate yourself in Christ Jesus. There is a calling for each and every one of us. There is a purpose that God has for each and every one of us. It is in Christ where we discover our God-given callings. It is in Christ where we discover God's purpose for our lives. And he gives us the grace 
to fulfill the calling that he has given us and to fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. And that is what will give our lives the edge that we are talking about this morning. Doing what we know we are here for. Doing what we know we are called for. Doing what we know is an assignment that is from God. Now God is not obliged to back anything that he has not ordained. God is only obliged to back what he has already ordained. No matter how much you can think your thing is working, as long as it is not God ordained, at some point it will lose power, at some point it will lose strength. And by reason of being a child of God, it is good for you not to throw in the towel when that time comes, but to go back to the drawing board, go back to God and say, what is it that you wanted me to do even in the first place? Because you brought me here for a purpose. I may have missed it, but I can still come back to it. Somebody say, amen. But never ever put yourself in a position where you compete with someone with an edge for something. That is one place that you must never put yourself in. That thing is very unfair to you. You are unfair to yourself. If you try and compete with someone who is graced, anointed, favored, and owned for what they are doing. Because the reason why here on earth we are people who are very much competitive. We compete with one another even Though we are not called for those things, it is because anyone who is doing whatever that they are called for, they make it look easy. They flow in it and they make it look easy. That is why as the World Cup is on right now, we have so many opinions. We sit on our couches and we have opinions that they were not supposed to pass the ball to that one. They were not supposed to pass the ball in that angle. They were supposed to take that angle. They were supposed to tackle that one until they pass the ball to you. It's easy until you are the one doing it. That's why we are able to criticize people when they are singing. Until they hand you the mic. Until they tell you how many hours they rehearse. Until they tell you come join us for three months. How many times they rehearse, how many hours they put in. They are flowing in their grace. That is why we, we come here every Sunday and we give our best. Why? It is because it's our calling. Somebody asked me and said, what keeps you? Because ministry is hard. What keeps you for so long? You've been in full-time ministry for so long, side by side with your husband. What has kept you? This thing is hard. I said, I think more than anything else is knowing I'm called for it. Called for it called for it. So sometimes you may see us coming every Sunday as though there is no problem, as though there is no hardship, as though there is no tiredness, as though there is no discouragement. Why? It is because when the thing comes upon you, it causes you to be able to do things that no man can be able to do with their own strength. Somebody say amen. So when you put yourself in a position to compete with someone who is flowing in their grace, you are going to kill yourself. Let those who are called for business do business. Don't think we are Salah. 
I'll if you are not on a race with anyone. I'll You are running your own race. I'll You are the only one in your race. You are not competing with anyone. No one, no one can do what you are called to do like you. No one. Even if their callings are similar, they can never do it like you do it. I'm sure you have already established that we preach the same notes in every campus of Builders Church. Uh, but it does not come out the same. Why? It is because you wouldn't be feeling like you are feeling. Never put yourself in that position. It's unfair for you. It's not good for you. Now, the edge this unfair advantage that God has given us is the spirit of excellence, number one. Taking the little that you have and doing your best with it. In every way, you need to make sure that you do everything that you can do and then leave everything you cannot do to God. When God calls you and God gives you a purpose, he gives you some resources for you to use in your calling and in the purpose that he has for your life. Take everything and exhaust everything so that then God can do what only God can do. Yes, the spirit of excellence. Listen to what the Bible says about Daniel in Daniel 6.3. It says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to sitting him over the whole realm. What distinguished him? The spirit of excellence. So if you carry this edge, you have the spirit of excellence, and in turn you are distinguished from any other man. You are distinguished from your colleagues. You are distinguished from your neighbors. You are distinguished from your business uh, partners. You are distinguished from those who are maybe in competition with you in terms of the business that you are doing. Because sometimes we do the same business, but our edges are not the same. If you have the edge that you are in Christ, you will do business with the spirit of excellence. And the spirit of excellence is taking the little that you have and do your best with it. As soon as you have exhausted the little that you have that God has given you, God will come with his supernatural power and he does what only God can do. Number two, diligence. D stands for diligence. You are careful and persistent. So the diligence is careful and persistent work or effort. You are persistent. You are diligent. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 22, verse number 29. It says, Seeth thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. 
He shall not stand before mean men. There are mean men who can't even make decisions. But if you are not diligent, you will always it's only diligence that will cause you to stand before kings who are decision makers. Who can make a decision that will take you to the next level in your calling. Who can make a decision that will take you to the next level in that which God has called you to do. Diligence will cause you to stand before kings and not mean men. There are people whose uh, proposals are in the dustbin why? Because they gave them to mean men. But if God opens a door to a king, then a king, even if he can't help you, he will just write one sentence on your proposal. Please assist. One sentence to another king. Because king to king. One sentence, please assist. And you are taken to the next level. It's only diligence that will open that door. So maybe it's time we regain that edge. It's time we went back to diligence and not only pray, but also work diligently. Work diligently. The Bible says we will stand before kings and not mean men. Somebody say amen. amen. And it's those who don't have uh, decision-making powers who are mean. Because as soon as you want to prove that you have the power, you don't have. Number three. G is for grit. Grit. Grit is courage and resolve. It is strength of character. And scattered all over the Bible are stories of courage. And I'm praying that this morning as we regain our edge, may God give us courage. May God give us courage to face anything that tries to come our way in pursuit of our destinies. May God give us the courage to attempt great things in the kingdom of our God. May God give us that courage that is great. That is the edge that we have. That is the advantage that we have to have the grit, to have the courage. May God give us that courage to even stand before kings. That is why timidity is not part of the fruit of the spirit. It is because God knew that we were not going to be able to fulfill our callings. We will not be able to pursue our destinies if we are timid and we, are, we shy away from pursuing things. Each time you feel timidity coming upon you, remember it is not a fruit of the spirit and kick it out in the name of Jesus Christ and gain courage so that you can be able to reach your destiny, so that you can be able to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Somebody say amen. And for any task at hand, I pray that God will give you strength and that you may be courageous. The Bible all over says each time there is someone who is faced with a task that is bigger than them. Each time there are obstacles that people are faced with, God will always say, be strong and courageous. So I want to encourage each and every one of us this morning that you must be strong and courageous. Yes, the year is coming to an end and maybe you feel like you have no strength left in you. Go with the strength that has been given to you by God himself. Be strong and be courageous. 
cry and go forward. Sweat, but go forward. Fall down, but go forward. Whatever it takes, go forward. That is courage. The devil is not cheering us on, but we have God who infuses in us the grit that comes from the edge of being in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. There is courage that is available, and that courage is enough. It is in Christ Jesus for any obstacle that the enemy may throw in our way. Joshua, you are supposed to take over from Moses. Be strong and be courageous. Esther, you are supposed to go and ascend the throne and become the queen. You are supposed to be strong and courageous. Imagine if Esther was timid because as much as she was anointed, because the Bible says for two years, Mordecai gave her the ointment and she was rubbing it all over her body. So that speaks of the anointing. She was already anointed, but she was supposed to have the courage to go and stand before the king so that the king can notice her. There is no king that will notice you no matter how anointed you are unless you have the courage that Esther had. So you will die with your anointing. You will die with the purpose of God for your life. You will die with the calling of God upon your life. If you are timid and you lack courage. And I'm here this morning to let us know that there is courage available for us. Because we are those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are an Esther and there is a certain throne that you are supposed to, attend, to, to ascend. You need to be courageous. Need to be courageous. Takes courage to appear before the king. And not have your head down. Intimidity. She could have died at the gate, anointed as she was with all the other ladies, unless she appeared, unless she gathered courage to appear before the king. I'm talking to a Deborah this morning who is supposed to arise. The Bible says people did not fight, there was no fight left in them. In other words, they were discouraged. In other words, they had even packed their weapons. In other words, they did not even realize how much power their weapons carry because they were discouraged. But until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel, this thing may have never been done before. There was no woman who has ever charged an army. There is no woman who has ever commanded an army to go to war. But Deborah arose as a judge female in Israel and said, I've never seen seen this one done before but I am courageous enough because I know that there is something in the inside of me and it's only my courage that is going to cause me to arise and do something about the situation there is a situation in your home it will take your courage to arise and do something about it there is a situation in your church you are the one who is supposed to be courageous to stand up and do something about it Regain your edge. Have that courage. Have that grit. The heavens are backing you. You can do it. Don't be discouraged. There is strength that is available. First Chronicles chapter number 28 verse number 20 says, 
And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. So you don't be strong and sit down. You don't gain this edge and be courageous and sit down. You regain this edge. You have your grit back and you arise and you do something about it. God is going to make sure that you win. It says, do it. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. You are going to finish strong. By reason of the edge that you are regaining this morning. Somebody say, Amen. amen. Effectiveness is the last one. Successful in producing a desired or an intended result. Effectiveness. You will be effective in everything that you do when you have regained your edge. Ephesians 4, 16 says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever, by, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. There's a share for you as a part in the body of Christ. There's a share for you in every area, in every sphere of influence. There is a share for you. All that you need to do is just to regain your edge. Somebody say amen. amen. And I believe that this morning, as you have come to church, you are indeed regaining your edge. You are going to have the spirit of excellence working in the inside of you. You are going to have diligence. Your hands are going to produce great results. You are going to be courageous. You are going to have the grit. And you are going to be effective in what you are doing. Because your edge is being sharpened. You are regaining that edge. And it's not going to be done. anymore. Each time a is born and fools are in anything, be it in making money or in doing whatever it is that I am supposed to do, I always pause because I want to locate the grace. As soon as you fools, you must know what is the grace of the Lord. How come this fools are grace? How come this fools are grace? It is because you, your, your ex is dull. Because when you don't sharpen your edge, when you don't sharpen your ear to hear from the Spirit of God for your guidance, you are going to have to use more strength. But there is no need for you to use more strength than what God has given you. That is why people kill themselves for things that God has given them. Yes, it's your calling. However, it is killing you because as much as it is your calling, but you are doing it with your own strength. But there is strength available for us. In Christ, that's our edge. That's our advantage. It's unfair for others, but tough. They are more than welcome to come in. There is room for everyone. But we must not lower our standard for those who don't have the edge. We are going to sharpen our edge and it's going to be so sharp. We are going to win at all costs. Somebody say amen. So I want us to be encouraged this morning to say even though this is the last lap of the year, but I have something to achieve. God has given me every resource that I need for me to be able to be courageous. Go with that strength. Be courageous and do it. Let us stand. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.